It is still August 5th, 2020, and this is episode now 61 of the World of Sports Podcast and Radio Show Short Episode Edition. Welcome back to episode 61 of the World of Sports Podcast Radio Show Short Episode Edition. Um, I'm Zach Rubenstein. Thank you for the for listening. Hopefully you did to the episode with Brody. We just did. I, I might be a little. We may have gone a little bit long, so I'm sorry if it's a little bit longer than you're used to. But Tuesday was a very great day as a fan of the Phoenix Suns. And I don't necessarily always like to talk about my local teams. Obviously, I'm from Phoenix. Obviously, I'm an Arizona sports fan. But there's often not a lot to say, and it's often very boring, and, and I don't necessarily always love when other radio shows uh, talk only about a local market. I prefer the the more broad stories. So if stories happen to hit home, I don't mind covering them or talking about them. But this one did hit home, and to me, while it's not necessarily a national story, um, it definitely has my attention. Uh, because to me, it was, it was the best play in the last 10 years of the Phoenix Suns, and that this is the first dive I've really taken inside of the NBA bubble other than to talk about how well it's worked and to talk a little bit about the games idea in general, like, like the stuff they're adding and subtracting. Um, to be honest, other than, you know, the game happened, there's not a lot to say, uh, without going into analysis, which I, I had not really interested in doing at the moment, at least. Um, I guess if you would like that, I guess I can do that. Um, but I, I, other than that, I mean, I don't watch all of these games, to be honest. I watch my local team, and I watch when they're on. Right now, there's three sports on. There's basketball, hockey, and baseball. And between those three sports, I get, I, that's like my whole day, um, almost every day. And then I'm not doing it, you know, I like to do my own stuff and listen to my own podcasts and do other things. So I, I, there's there's so much sports to consume, and I do watch the random baseball game here or the basketball game here, um, but I don't watch like I'm going to report about it or even sometimes the Suns game. But Tuesday afternoon, the Suns played the Los Angeles Clippers. The game was closed for a while, and at the very end of the game, our young superstar, and I say our, I mean the Suns, Devin Booker, Ends up taking a shot, misses, the ball is rebounded by the Clippers, then it's tipped away by a member of the Suns, Back ball ends up back in Devin Booker's hands, he takes a shot at the buzzer and hits it, the Suns win the game. Now, that's a great play, why is it the best play in the last decade, or biggest I guess? Because the NBA bubble... And I'm going to try to make this a little more national or a little more broad. Uh, the NBA bubble is the result of the NBA's attempt to finish the NBA, the regular season, and then do the playoffs. And they didn't want to invite every team because they didn't want the risk of that many players more than they needed. So they decided to make it so that every team within six games of the final playoff spot would get to play. Um, and then that way the top teams could figure out their seeding and the bottom teams could, could get a chance of getting in the playoffs. So the six games is important because that's the furthest out they let a team get in, and that was my team, the Suns. And to be honest, 
it doesn't take that much to knock the Suns out, right? The Suns could go win all eight of the regular season games that the NBA allotted and still not get in if everyone else wins enough of their own games. And to be honest, I was not expecting the Suns to play games that mattered, even if they were winning. It was going to be kind of fun. There are other benefits to it that are great for Suns fans and Suns, you know, the players. Obviously, we as fans get to watch, but the players get to do some mingling. And, and there's some respect. If you're good enough to get in this bubble, even if you're the last team in, you still get to be there. You're still better than the other teams that didn't. Well, all of a sudden, all the breaks started going for the Suns to get in the playoffs. And and I'm still, we're three games into this bubble, and it's still a very long shot. The Suns, when they started, had a .01% chance of getting in the playoffs, and that's now at .5% chance. So it's almost none. But to get in the playoffs, they would have to get to the nine seed. They take eight teams in the playoffs. This year they added that the ninth seed would get a play-in game where kind of a double elimination for the eight seed, single elimination for the ninth seed, where you could play your way into the playoffs. That way there's a chance for an outside team. The Suns would probably have to be that ninth seed. And right now they're about a game back, which is big news. It's not impossible. Their chances just got a whole lot better. That 0.5% was before they played today against one of the best teams in the NBA. And so this matters as a Suns fan because it was the statement to the entire bubble that we are not giving up so easily. But it also meant to Suns fans a little bit more than that. And it meant that, that this team cared about being there, is trying really hard, wants to put on a show, and says that they care about the fans as much as we care about them, which is a big deal. Now, personally, I have a little bit of a frustration with the way that some of this has happened, um, and specifically the way my team has been treated. To me, there is a, there's, and I think most NBA fans would agree with this, there's kind of a hierarchy to the way the NBA works. There's the top-tier teams, and then there's kind of the middle-tier NBA teams, and then there's the bottom tier. And then within that, you go based on market size and, and the size of the location of the city, and, and a lot of this is a little more analytical than it probably is in real life. But essentially, the Los Angeles Lakers, if they're good, are maybe the top of the top. They get the most attention, the most coverage, no matter what. Um, if the New York Knicks were good, I would put them equally at the same level. And then you, as you start going down, you get to maybe the bottom of the top tier would be a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, right? They're not as good as teams. They're better than teams like the 76ers who still get about equal as more co- equal or more coverage, but they're not in as large of a market as someone like Philly. Then you get to the middle tier. And that's the teams that are kind of in the playoffs but not necessarily huge. Um, or I guess let me rephrase. They're teams that get in the playoffs that are not necessarily great teams but from big markets. So the example for that might be the Houston Rockets, right? Houston's the fourth largest city in the country. It's a big market. Their team's not a top, top tier team, but they're, they're, but they're in the solid lead in the playoffs and they get a lot of attention, but not a ton, not enough to take away from the top cities. They get their fair share is what I would probably call it. Another team that I think falls into this a little bit is Toronto, um, they kind of are at the same point. Now, generally speaking, I think the Eastern Conference gets a little more attention than the West because they're East Coast teams and East Coast bias is a thing, um, essentially meaning that teams on the East Coast get more attention, get more coverage because they're on the East Coast, and that's both because, supposedly, because there are more people there, because the games on the West Coast start later, 
it's for a myriad of reasons that both exist and maybe don't. But I'm saying this with a little bit of mindfulness that East Coast cover East Coast bias exists. And then you have your bottom tier teams, right? You have the teams that are either not in the playoffs or about to be in the playoffs, and even those have 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 ranges. So at the top, it might be like Miami Heat in a bad year when they don't make the playoffs. Or the Chicago Bulls sometimes. Right, big market cities that just aren't in the playoffs or aren't necessarily, you know, great top tier teams. And or or another example, um, of like a top tier team that might just miss the playoffs would be like the Portland Trailblazers in a year they don't make it. Someone that competes but doesn't necessarily get there. And then there's like the bottom, bottom, bottom. And those are the teams that really suck and sometimes get coverage and sometimes don't. The New York Knicks sometimes fall in this category. The Sacramento Kings, the Phoenix Suns, Orlando Magic, right? Teams that historically suck. And you can't get out of it. The NBA is a free-flowing system. So currently, the Orlando Magic are, are in the playoffs. The Oklahoma City Thunder are in the playoffs. But even once you're there, it sometimes can be hard. And teams that fall from the from that playoff range down or top tier down will hold on to the coverage for a few years because there's there's affiliations. The bandwagon so and so, or quote unquote has to move around. But the Suns, to me, have been bad for a decade. Got a lot of coverage in the mid 2000s when they were great, or a fair amount, I guess. They were treated like a middle tier team that was really good. They got about the equivalent coverage of maybe the Milwaukee Bucks, but a little bit less. Um, but once they really nosedived, they got no coverage for years. And as of recently, they to me, they've been a better team. And that's not just because I'm a Homer fan saying this, because I really believe they've been getting better. And the league has not necessarily treated them that way. Right, Our young superstar Devin Booker dropped 70 points in a game against Boston, and it's called stat padding. And it's empty stats, and Booker isn't that good. He just gets to take all the shots, and he's a ball hog. And, and I thought he was really good. And so, the, granted, the Suns have had GM problems, but and, and ownership problems and front office problems, but they, they, dread, they get the number one overall pick in the draft. And they take a good player, DeAndre Ayton. Now, granted, again, he went to U of A, and I went to U of A, and he follows a lot of my same loyalties, but I thought he was really good, and the numbers do actually show that. Well, Luka Doncic is in a bigger market in Dallas, and he's a superstar off the bat because he puts up a lot of points, and no one pays attention to the dominant, you know, game in, game out that DeAndre Ayton does, and we get no coverage because we already suck, and Dallas was in the playoffs. Um, and so it takes now almost, it's taken almost two years for DeAndre Aiden did not be called a bust, even though the guys put up decent numbers because Luka Doncic is fantastic. It's frustrating. But the but while I, I guess I accept some of the, the DeAndre Aiden stuff, the Devin Booker stuff has been more frustrating. He's been a bona fide superstar for the last three years. He's gotten no coverage. He didn't make the all-star team when he maybe should have. Fine, he's young, whatever. That was the argument made in the excuse. Well, then we get to this year, and... The Suns were not that good, did not get a great pick because of a bad lottery bounce, but but we rebuilt the team a little bit, and we started to get better. And this year we were we started the year hot and, and stuck around for a while. We were kind of holding on. And by the time we got to, to January or so, the Suns were not in the top tier. They were not even in the middle tier, right? They, we, but we were not irrelevant. 
We were not the way we used to be. And we still weren't getting the coverage. And I say we, I'm meaning the Suns, the whole city. And it finally took some conversation of about whether or not Devin Booker should be an all-star that maybe got some attention. Because if you can become an all-star, people start to pay some attention to you. Well, Devin Booker doesn't make the all-star team. I think he should have, but he was he was one of the top three guys to not make it or so. Um, and then there's an injury. And it turns out that they're going to take a couple more guys, and the injury to Damian Lillard is going to have to be replaced. And what I can only describe as my eternal gratefulness, at least for now, Damian Lillard, from what I understand, puts in a little bit of a good word. It says, hey, that Devin Booker kid can ball. Let's get him in. Um, and so they take the people to add in, and Devin Booker is the replacement for Damian Lillard and goes into the All-Star game and plays okay, um, plays well enough. He'd already won a three-point shooting contest a couple years earlier. That didn't get him the respect I thought it would. But being on the All-Star team got a little bit. And so the season gets canceled. And as a Suns fan, you feel pretty positive. It was a pretty good year. Um, overall, things worked out pretty well. The team did okay. Um, they were they were, they were taking the step forward that you wanted them to take, right? If they had played out the rest of the season, they would have won about 30 games, maybe a little bit more, and that was the goal. Uh, as a Suns fan, 30 games this year, 40 games next year or so, maybe once you make some roster moves, the GM of the Suns was teasing a big move, and I was super excited. And then the bubble comes, the NBA bubble restart, and there was talk of whether to take 20 teams or 25 teams or 22 teams. They take 22 and the Suns are the 22nd team. Awesome. We're in it. That's a big accomplishment. We got the respect of just being there. The Phoenix Suns are going to be on the calendar. But we're still, it's a pretty hard way to get into the playoffs or even the discussion. And, and from all the local coverage I saw and from everything I heard from Suns fans and assumed myself, it was give it all you got. You got eight games to show everything you got and then you got another three months off. So, four months. Take it. Go do something with it. And the Suns have an easy first game against the Wizards, and they win. In a game, they struggled. They were sloppy. They played three exhibition games, played well, fantastic. They were a little sloppy. Then they played Dallas on Sunday night. And Dallas seems to get every call. They go up big in the beginning of the game. And I turned it off the game in the first quarter. I don't want to watch my team get blown out. This is not looking good. They're getting every call. The NBA loves Luka Doncic. They're giving him every call. Well, the Suns start fighting back. And by the third quarter, I had the game on, and it was about tied. Suns had gone on like a 20-5 to run. And we're back in the game. And I continued to watch, and they continued, the Dallas Mavericks continued to get every call, which is incredibly disrespectful. And that market size thing I talked about earlier, that applies to the how the referees referee the game. The better teams, the superstars, they get the calls. If you're a bottom-tier organization, the Suns, the Kings, the Hornets, you don't get calls. They don't give them to you. Devin Booker, an all-star, you would think he might get one, generally doesn't. Annoying. But that's the way it is. You know, you get the bubble. Maybe Devin Booker will get a call next year that he didn't get because we were in the bubble. That's one of the advantages. You can also maybe recruit someone to your team, right? It's not all about the foul calls on any given play. And the Suns managed to win also, and I, I was excited. They got it done. They played incredibly well. We are an incredible free-throw shooting team, a great three-point shooting team when the Suns click. They come into the Clippers Tuesday, yesterday. 
right? This is the challenge. The Clippers are the maybe the best team in, in basketball. I think they're going to make the finals, personally. Uh, now, they're missing a couple of guys. Or they, they're missing one guy. They have another round of minutes restriction. The minutes restriction is Lou Williams, who went to Magic City in Atlanta to get wings, and it turned out to be a whole fiasco where he had to quarantine. There's an episode that I did with Brody, uh, I think last week on that. If you want to go look, it should be somewhere in the 40s. Episode number in the 40s. It says, like, Magic Wings or something. Um, and it turns out one of the other players is is dealing with a family emergency, and, and I believe someone close to him was is in it was lost or passed away recently, so uh, my condolences to Montres Harrell and his family. But the game starts, and the bubble moves on, and, and the Suns have missed have a couple players injured, and they start the game, and they're just staying ahead. They're not necessarily killing it. And early on in the game, and near the end of the first quarter, Patrick Beverly, a major player off the bench for the Clippers, gets hurt. And you don't like to see it, but you'll take advantage of it. So now we're rolling, right? They're, they're missing a couple guys. Lou Williams on a minute restriction. We're missing a couple guys, but we're staying in front. And Devin Booker's pacing us out, and everyone's playing well together. And the entire game, it felt like the Suns would go up 10, they, the Clippers would come back to make it 2 or tie it. Suns would go up 5, Clippers would come back and make it 3. The Suns, then the Suns would extend it to 8, and this continued for the whole game. And... In the closing minutes, the Suns were up 111-105. All right, you got to put the game away. Boom. It's now 111-111. Then it's 113-111. Then it's 113-113. And the Suns managed to get it to 115-all and have the ball with like 30 seconds left in the game. And you're thinking, man, after all this, just if we could manage to win the game. Now, now there is some thought to think that the Clippers didn't need to win this game. This game means meaning. This is meaningless to them. They're not going to be the one seed. They're currently the two seed, and they're probably not going to fall out of this. So you have to assume that they weren't necessarily aiming. Their, their strategy wasn't necessarily the way they would play. The whole game wasn't necessarily the way they would play it if they were in the playoffs, which is important to note, by the way. Um, the entire time I talk about this, you have to remember this game is meaningless to them. Overall, they want to win, but it's meaningless. And so Devin Booker rises up and takes a shot and misses. The ball's rebounded by a player in the Clippers, tipped by a player in the Suns out away from him. Suns recover. Booker gets it with about four seconds left, makes a dribble move, steps back and shoots over two superstars in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And drains a buzzer beater. Granted, he was also fouled on the play. Um, and all of a sudden, all that respect that we never get as a city and as a team comes back. We now are going, and, and I go on Twitter, and we're number one trending on Twitter. And and now the respect is there. And that's what this game meant today. I don't know that the Suns will make the playoffs. I still don't think they will. Not because they're going to lose a ton of games. They might lose one. Even one game might be a not enough to make it, but they could go a no and not make the playoffs because they're just teams that are going to win, and that's okay. It will be disappointing and it'll be heartbreaking. It'll feel like that shot was for nothing, but that shot wasn't for nothing because the Suns are going to start getting respect now because of that shot. Because teams that watch that game, watch that tape, will go, you know, these guys aren't anyone to mess with. They're legit. They're good. And when Devin Booker next year wants to be in the All Star game. The NBA community is going to remember that, and they're going to vote him in the All-Star game. And when people talk about 
uh, how great Luka Doncic is and how therefore awful the pick for DeAndre Aiden was, a couple more people are going to start watching Suns games when they're on and say, you know, DeAndre Aiden's not that bad. Luka Doncic might be better, but DeAndre Aiden's not a bust. Don't don't say he's a bust. He's not a bust. That's what that game meant today. And it was the biggest shot in the last 10 years of the Phoenix Suns, not because we won the game, not because we are going to make the playoffs, but because that shot won a lot of respect. Got a lot of people to, to go, wait a second, what? The the what? The Suns? Team, people that were their fans that don't ever remember the Suns being good, that are 14 years old and just don't know of it. They saw that, those kids saw that, or writers who have ignored the Suns for 10 years saw that and went, ooh, Clippers are good. Even messing around, the Clippers should have won that game. Guess the Suns are maybe here to play. And that's what respect does for you. And so that was why, I mean, I, I'm spending 21 minutes talking about this because that's what that meant to me. To me, it meant the days of being disrespected are over. At least to a large extent. The Suns had one national TV game all year. And that was because the NBA wanted to put Zion on television. It wasn't there. And the Suns embarrassed themselves in that game anyway. In the bubble, the Suns didn't have a national television televised game. Most teams have at least one. Next year, the Suns will have more than one national televised game. They'll have a few. Because Devin Booker hit shots like that. And nationally televised games... Our one national ESPN wants that shot on their air. They want their announcers calling it. They don't want to have to go to the Fox Sports affiliate for the Phoenix Suns or Los Angeles Clippers to get some guy who they don't know who who calls games, you know, in a local market call it. They want their guys. They want Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller. They want Mike Breen yelling bang as the game goes as the as the Suns win. That's what they want. So I'm gonna get out of here. Uh, thank you for listening. Hopefully, if you didn't check out the episode I did with Brody uh, on the Pac-12 um, and some of the stuff going on there, go ahead and listen to that. And I will see you tomorrow for a Thursday edition of the World of Sports Podcast and Radio Show Short Episode Edition.